All right, let's do it. This is the third episode. This is with Karen Burr, and this is going to be a great episode. It's going to be an easy episode for me because Karen is like a sister to me, and so it's going to be a wonderful conversation. It's going to be just like an everyday conversation. Karen is probably one of the sweetest, most community-driven people that I know, and she's going to share today a wealth of knowledge on how she has created a business around community, how she's created a life around helping others, and how she gets connected back to the earth and gives from the earth. And so I'm excited to share. If you know someone else, I'd be excited to hear about this. Maybe they want to get more involved in natural medicine and herbalism and community resources. Please like, share, subscribe our podcast. This is Awaken Indie. This is through Georgetown Market, and we're trying to find a way each episode to share amazing things that we stumble upon that we know about in the community and that could maybe make a difference in someone's life. So if you have any guests that you might also want to see on the show, you can email us at podcast at georgetownmarket.com. That's podcast at georgetownmarket.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Enjoy today's show. Hey, let's do this. All right. So Karen, for those that maybe aren't familiar with you and your business, Materia Medica, can you tell us a little bit about your background and the store's background? Yeah. So I've been a licensed esthetician for, gosh, for 18 years. And uh, to be real honest, I do not like at all the business model behind aesthetics and most skincare that's out there. So I decided... To go back to school and graduated from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition so that I could be a holistic health practitioner and really know how to help people with skin conditions more from the inside out. And then ended up started working with regenerative farmers, got really into the local farming scene, working with the Bionutrient Food Association and becoming a super soil nerd. And from that point on really teaching food as medicine, and then knew that there was still something missing. So that's when I found myself down at the Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine in the Appalachian Mountains, which is where I just belong. And Karen and I were actually going to be out there next month, so it'll be exciting to kind of see it. We leave in two weeks. We're going to be out with the mountain people again. I can't wait. But yeah, so from Chestnut, um, I actually then graduated five different um, more clinical herbal programs. And like Aaron said, well, he's my travel buddy. So Mm -hmm. at least twice a year, we will go together for continuing education with more, um, I don't know, more clinical based herbal knowledge where it's more hands-on, like out working in the landscape because there's so many different levels of herbalism and holistic health out there. And I just gravitate more towards 100% soil you know, the earth, the soil, matching that to the person. So I think that's a good point too, because there's so many different herb programs out there, you know, like how many, like I get asked all the time, like which herb program is the right one for me? And it's kind of just based on your demeanor. It's based on your demeanor. Yeah. Where you want to go. Everything has its own beauty. You just have to find what's right for you. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, now you have a business here. Yes. Yeah. So I'm co-owner of um, Materia Medica Herbal Blending Spa. Um, I named it Materia Medica because it seemed perfect. It means a journal of plant knowledge. Yep. And I just love that. I love people will call and say, is this Materia Medical? (laughs) (laughs) Nope, not at all. Couldn't be further from that. (laughs) Absolutely not. But yeah, so I really wanted to get out of the traditional spa, skincare, and more of what we kept seeing, you know, the language of journey and wellness center and holistic health you know all of this stuff that it just the words became adulterated to me and there was always just this such a business model behind so much of that and I'm not saying I don't have a business model of course I do I have a brick and mortar but I was watching people being severely taken advantage of by a model behind something that called itself holistic and so I really wanted to open up an herbal apothecary spa of all things mind, body, spirit, 
health and healing with a community focus. So yes, I'm a licensed esthetician. I work with skin conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, my focus is more GI health, mm-hmm. um, skin, GI, nervous system. Those are like my jam. And in the herbal world, Aaron and I have so many beautiful people in our community that we can refer to because everybody has their own special connection with something. You know, when people come to me for oncology or they want to know different things with mushroom therapies, I send them to Aaron because that's not my thing and I don't want it to be. We have other friends in the herbal community and holistic health community who they all specialize in something different. And it's beautiful when you can work together with those people who have their own connections with those certain ailments, then that way it's not always about you. And that's why I'm very community focused. No, I think if, you know, anyone comes out and meets you for the first time, I think they get that on the the first impression that you very much are for the community. And I think that's, you know, one of the most amazing things I've seen you do is find all these people, find all the amazing things that they do and really help them share it with everyone that's around it or people that may need it. Um, And that's also the great thing. I think when you walk into your store, Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like really peaceful all of a sudden and yeah. seeing you and Sarah in there doing yep. great work. Um, and herself is a great esthetician and an mm-hmm. artist. And Oh my God, Sarah's amazing. Yes. She's an eco-friendly makeup artist and esthetician and she's so talented and she's the best I've ever seen. She's great. And she, she personally did one of my friend's weddings mm-hmm. and it was gorgeous. And so, yeah, definitely if you guys are interested in more of that, you know, alternative esthetician work where it's not toxic chemicals and you're also interested in maybe improving your health through your diet or lifestyle Mm. or herbalism i definitely recommend you guys check out materia medica in greenwood yeah it's beautiful yeah um so it's amazing you know you've had this great background you know you went through all these different herbalism programs and health programs and now you have this spot but what made you seek all this out what made you kind of go this route my mother is a very she has a lot of health issues and throughout the years since I was 10 years old I've watched just the dangers of western medicine so I say that very I'm very intentional with my words here the dangers of western medicine with how they try to treat chronic health conditions now I'm not talking about life saving I'm talking about chronic health conditions when we are just masking, we are masking, oh, we are masking. And when we do that, those health conditions are not going away and they are not getting better. They are suppressed. And so it, it, it angers me to still today see that model, but yep. that's, we're going back to business models, right? It's a flipping business model because insurance companies pay for it. They don't pay for what I call more natural earth-based remedies. You know, there's there's not a business when it comes to going out into your landscape in your own yard and you can find a remedy for something for you there. They don't want you to know that because it takes money away from their profits. Oh, that was the herbalism. Herbalism was the medicine of the people. It's the medicine of the people, exactly. And so, but that's what got me into wanting to do more holistic health. And what got me into aesthetics is acne. I had cystic acne. Yeah. And nobody helped me. They just wanted to give me medications, Mm -hmm. antibiotics, topical things that were completely breaking down the microbiome of the skin. Years of that. And it was just absurd. And when I was in aesthetic school, my teacher was the super hippy-dippy person. And so it was the first time I'd ever even heard the word holistic. And she really sparked my curiosity. So from that point on, I just kept going and learning more and more and more about the body. And then got really, really into just nature's ways. And so I really am, I don't get hung up in all the fads. I just don't. Yeah. I don't get hung up in all the new fads with, uh, if you follow the money behind it, you'll see there's just so much marketing and greenwashing and pinkwashing. Yep. Not a fan of pinkwashing at all. Well, it's amazing. So, you know, I think when you live close to nature, you mm-hmm. know, we are from nature, but we have these diets that go back and forth. Oh, it's high fat. It's low fat. It's low carb, high carb. You know, it's everything. They're going to just go back and forth. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, eating things that are one ingredient. Like you go out from your yard and you go pinch your spinach mm-hmm. out of there. 
there's no diet that's going to be like, oh, that was bad. Or at least mm. if it does, I'm, I probably wouldn't follow it. Because there wasn't a book written about it. Yep. There you go. Well, and I think if there was a book, that'd be probably be the closest one. I know we both like it. I see it on your shelf right now. It's probably the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook. Yes, I know. I love it. Sally was one of my favorite instructors in school, and I love... You know, it's interesting because I really don't like meat. I don't like meat. But for some people, they need it. Yep. You know, some people need those amino acids that you're just not going to get anywhere else. But Nourishing Traditions is the first... That's the first way, let's say way of eating. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of eating if you are one of those people who your body actually does need animal protein. Yep. Yeah, and it's nice because in that book too, it's very much like if you are going to eat animals, it's the whole animal. Yeah. And if you are going to eat things, it's the right way. It's not with pesticides or besides. Mm-hmm. And it is more nature-based. So It is. It's taking everything back. Every Everything stems so far back into the way the Native Americans already did everything. Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's hard. I struggle when people come to me and they say, well, what's the right, the best diet for me? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard because it's, there is no one best diet for everyone. And mm-hmm. there is no best little magic bullet that fixes everyone. And, you know, if we had it, we'd definitely give it to you, but it'd probably cost a lot of money too, <laughs> knowing yeah. that there's the business model. But you know, that's, a, that's also the beauty of it is it's like this health journey that you go through. And you can kind of learn from that what works best for you. And there's nothing better than knowing yourself because then you can't be fooled by the external environment. Yeah, you just ask them to define what diet means. Yeah. I always do. We do a diagram. What does diet mean? What are you feeding yourself, mind, body, spirit? What are you feeding your mind? Yep. What are you feeding your soul? What are you allowing in? What are you projecting? You know, that's what diet should mean not just the foods that you're eating because there's a marketing scheme behind it yeah and a lot of times it is a marketing scheme like if you look at a lot of the different results coming out how certain diets are better than others sometimes they're founded by big dairy companies oh it's ridiculous so it's you know it's it's more important than ever just to really i think get as close as we can to nature and then also just know where we're sourcing from and feel comfortable in ourselves and know ourselves more than ever that's why i love to do grocery tours with my health coaching clients because during a grocery tour we don't we don't really go over a lot of the actual like food that's in there we go over the politics behind grocery stores yeah the politics behind the businesses you know the politics behind how grocery stores are set up you know there's there's so much programming mm-hmm. in all of this and when you can make it really personal for someone. That's when they start to understand it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that they they eat really healthy. They might go to organic foods from, you know, fresh thyme or something like that. What's the difference, though, between that and maybe if you went to go see your local farmer at the farmer's market? A lot. A world of a difference. For one, your nutrient density doesn't even compare. So like I said, I'm a member of the Bionutrient Food Association, so I have this cool little gadget where I can measure the nutrient density between grocery store food and something that would be raised regeneratively. Yep. Or even in your own gardens, you know. So it goes back to what is your food, you know, what fed your food? Yep. So the food that's feeding you, what fed it? You know, it's like the whole brassica thing right now. Don't eat brassica family plants because they're terrible for you and they're messing with your thyroid and they're doing all these things. Well, there's a level of truth to that. But there again, there's so many sides. People are so gullible. It's like, wake up. You hear one thing and then you demonize foods and we've got to stop doing that. What fed the kale? Yep. You know, those are bioaccumulators. They're going to absorb every toxin from the soil. Yeah. So then you're eating that toxin. So get your foods not from mass-produced, monocropped places. That means your grocery stores. You know, grow it yourself. It's not difficult. Or support your local farmers who are doing it right for you. Well, the thing, too, like, you know, you mentioned the brassica family plants. You know, that's broccoli, cauliflower, kale, kohlrabi. Those plants, if people aren't familiar, and... You know, they've shown in studies that they're really good for detox, like our phase two detox. And mm-hmm. we need some compounds in there for getting certain hormones out, like estrogen, for example, if you have a buildup of that. And there is some concern about them being, they're called goitrogens, mm-hmm. for those who aren't familiar. And it blocks the thyroid um, from kind of utilizing the correct yeah. hormones. And so they've also shown, though, that when you cook, you know, broccoli or something, 
in that same family that a lot of the goitrogens actually go away. Yep. So, you know, unless you're eating like pounds of raw broccoli, which you probably wouldn't want to do because that upset your stomach anyway, you know, a lot of these food myths are out there and I think they're prevalent in our society. And sometimes you just have to sit down and just be like, is this really going on? Um, and kind of suss out what's myth from fact. Well, what's a very common supplement that is replaced by those foods? I oh. know you know this one. Oh, yeah. Well, we have DIM and DIM <laughs> sulforaphane yes! products. Doesn't it blow your mind? Don't eat these foods, but I'm going to give you this supplement. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. other thing. So then you go get it in a supplement form. And, you know, there are some mm. people that might need a supplement for a little bit. But, you know, why don't you just go eat the broccoli and you know where it came from. You don't know what the company did to make mm-hmm. the capsule that you're taking. Um, and plus, when you get all these products in the stores, they're usually in plastic. And oh. that's not great for us. And like you said, these farmers, they're regenerating our soil, which we need more than anything. And so why not support a company or a person? It's usually a person if you go to a farmer's market that's actually doing the resurrect practices. Absolutely. What fed your food, people? Think about it, and it will make sense. Well, you know, and I think the, the thing I also admire you, about you a lot, Karen, is like sometimes these things aren't thought about. Mm-hmm. And we like to geek out, if people aren't familiar, on something called the Enneagram. Yeah. And... Karen is definitely what you consider an eight Enneagram. I'm a healthy eight. That's right. <laughs> I'm not the Karen. I am the healthy Karen. <laughs> but an eight Enneagrams, when they are healthy, is beautiful because they can really stand up for themselves, be a prominent kind of leader, and speak their truth really well. And so some people, I think it's hard for them to get started in their health journey because, you know, maybe it is easier for them to take a supplement or a capsule and they don't want to take the time to maybe ferment their own foods or make their own sourdough like I see you and Brian, her husband, mm-hmm. do all the time. So, you know, what kind of brought about in you that, I guess, that type 8 Enneagram and that willingness to kind of go the extra mile to do those kinds of things for your own health? For me, that's just what's important. And like you said, you know, running a clinical practice, I have people who have corporate jobs. Yep. They have kids running here, there, and everywhere. And they don't have time mm-hmm. to live that more what I call modern day homesteading life, right? It's not that they don't value it. It just doesn't fit into their lifestyle. Yeah. So for people like that, that's where I will custom make their herbal supplements for them. Um, if they do need a supplement, you know, vitamin D. I'm a big fan of fermented cod liver oil. Yep. Notice I said fermented people, not <laughs> heated, fermented. You know, so there are certain supplements, like you said, that are going to help people, but that's just it. It's a supplement. It doesn't mean that it has to be a part of your everyday lifestyle for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love being able to wildcraft and go either into nature or my own gardens for one particular person and know that I made them exactly what their body needed. Not mass-produced, what their particular chemistry needed. That is, to me, what a supplement is. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And it's then, from Earth. It's not mass-produced, packaged in a factory, and then put in a plastic bottle where it's really only half full. I mean, seriously. Definitely. And then for those who aren't familiar with wildcrafting, what is that? Wildcrafting is when you're out in nature, you know how to identify the plants. You, I, you forage those plants. I bring them back into the apothecary, and then I pick apart all their different chemistry of those plants and I extract the chemistry based on what that plant needs. So it's just beautiful. You know, you're breaking down the chemistry of a plant to match it to the physiology of a human. Yeah. And wildcrafting is a great thing because, you know, it empowers you. It teaches you how to make your own medicine for yourself, for your own community. And, you know, it's something we got to be careful with. We definitely, we don't want to do things like over harvest. That's how we've gotten to situations we have right now with things like golden seal, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, ethically sourced and working with a, maybe an herbalist, like a local herbalist to teach you different plants could be a great way. And a lot of times, even these plants, we could wild craft out of our own backyards. Mm-hmm. You know, I think right now it's, it's springtime. So we can find things like chickweed, uh, plantains in the backyard, dandelion greens, of course, um, but a host of other plants. And so it is really empowering to... You know, and I think also amazing that you can custom blend these things for people. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's say if I come into your apothecary, what are some common things that you might work with people on? Like, what are some common things that people come in to see you for? Well, let me back up for a minute because sure. you hit on something. And this is where that dominant eight comes out in me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
herbs are right now in the herbal and nutraceutical world, it is no different than factory farming. It isn't. So it absolutely sets me on fire. Mm. Now, when I see people online who are wanting to diagnose themselves or each other, I see this all the time. I have this cough and I haven't been able to get rid of it for weeks. And then you know, someone makes a post. They'll say, Patty Sue makes a post about the cough that she can't get rid of. And then you've got 50 people who are trying to diagnose her on a Facebook page, trying to tell her what is wrong with her and all the different herbs and nutraceuticals and all these things that she needs. So they're all talking about what they have used that has helped them. Them. Notice what they use that has helped them. We are bio-individual people. We are very bio-individual. There's not a one-size-fits-all for everything. But when I look at what has helped them, everything has been mass-produced and from a large corporation, and it has been ordered online. Mm. These people have never worked with a local herbalist. They were not working with naturopaths. They were not working with functional medicine. They were ordering from a description from a website online. They don't know where those herbs were sourced. They have no idea if they were ethically sourced. And so there's so much misinformation out there right now, and I'm livid about it. Now, I'm not upset with the people. They don't know any better. You guys don't know because you don't know what's going on in this world. But in every... Any state that you live in, let's say all 50 states, find your local herbalists because you're going to find so many of them. It's not expensive to work with a local herbalist and they're going to spend so much time with you and most of the time those herbalists, they are wild crafting or they are growing their own herbs. The energy is different, the medicine is different, and it is specifically formulated for you as an individual. So, when you come into my apothecary, that's what you get. You get wild-crafted, specifically formulated formulas for you as an individual, not mass-produced. Yep. Well, I think it's important um, because, even as you said, going to see a local herbalist, it's usually relatively inexpensive. You know, and yes. that's the people's medicine. It, it comes from the ground. We don't have to pay a lot for that. We no. can grow it ourselves. And so... Supporting the industry, I think, is an important thing. And Karen and I talk all the time about, in the functional medicine realm, how it's kind of become this green allopathy. And you go in to see a, a functional medicine doctor. Yeah. And even if they say they're a functional medicine doctor, that might just mean they've taken a weekend course, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so they might be somewhat open to alternative things, but they still might charge you a ton to go see them. Hundreds. Yeah. And then they might then charge you even more to put you on, like, 20 different supplements to find out that you didn't even need half of them, if not more. And so it's it's kind of like with herbalism, I'm so happy that I went that route first before going into functional medicine yeah. because you can kind of see what's the most effective and individualistic route without, you know, taking everything from them. So I think it's great that you're working with people in that capacity. Well, yeah, and Erin and I talk about this a lot and our other herbal friends, you know, it's your health should be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so by the time people get to people like us, you know, they've been exhausted and misguided by Western medicine. You know, one pill for this ill. And we all know the pill for the ill. And then they got real tired of that because they weren't getting answers. And then they go more of the functional medicine route. And Aaron does functional medicine. It's not, I'm not even, I'm not talking about Functional medicine education is absolutely outstanding. Functional medicine lab work is unlike anything I've ever seen. It's just outstanding. But the business model behind it with most practitioners, it's not sustainable for you, the patient. It's not. You know, the average is about $400 for your first visit. And then they're going to need to do some out-of-pocket lab work. That's expensive because most insurance companies don't pay for that so that's super expensive and then those lab works are going to match you to more just green allopathy they're going to match you to supplements and so by the time you're done you could have spent over fifteen hundred dollars in your first visit yep just with consultation lab work and then supplements you know and then when you go back it's more lab work more supplements you know and so I've seen 
a lot of functional medicine helps so many people, so many people, but we've got to get back to helping people and we've got to get back to inspiring people to know how to empower themselves to make their own health sustainable. Yes. Well, I think, yeah, and I think you do that by getting out in the nature and Absolutely. finding those things. And, you know, if someone wanted to get started with selecting plants for their health, mm-hmm. you know, how should they source them? Like, what should they do? Um, should they start growing or should they start foraging? What would you recommend? Well, I do plant walks mm-hmm. with people all the time. We do um, edible landscape plant walks. And because I'm a licensed esthetician, also I like to teach people how to use these plants both topically and internally. And we only, I only focus on plants that are safe, you know, for anybody to be able to forage. If I see something, you know, like bloodroot or mm-hmm. something like that, most of the time I'll walk right past it and not even say anything, you know, because there's certain plants out there that you just don't need to know about unless you're using them at more of a clinical level. And that's a plant that I don't even really mess with. But um, there's so much that you can do. You know, there's great books that are great. Um, my favorite book that I tell all my beginners is Wild Remedies. I love it. You know, Rosalie will teach you some beautiful, I hate the term basic. I don't like to say basic because to me there are no plants that are basic, but let's say the most common. Yeah. So that book is going to show you the most common plants that are in your everyday landscape, but then she teaches you not only the medicinal aspects of the plants, but the nutrient aspects, which go together and then gives you fun recipes with them. Yes. How to make a jelly, you know, how to make a violet jelly or, you know, how to make dandelion cakes and, you know, fun things that you can do. Well, and I think even sometimes those most basic herbs are some of the most healing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right now in spring, like you see plantain everywhere. That's a great first aid medicine to know. It's oh, just amazing. plantain. And it's in everyone's yard. I can guarantee it. And... I was on a plant walk yesterday, and we were talking about that. I showed people if you get, you know, stinging nettle mm-hmm. on you and you have a reaction. You know, we have things like jewelweed and plantain around that can kind of counteract irritants or bug bites that might if come up. And so sometimes those plants that I think we we're not we're not like oh let's talk about ashwagandha and all these Mm-mm. mushrooms and lomation like all yeah. these Chinese herbs too that have kind of gotten a lot of attention nowadays. Sometimes the simple ones that grow next to us are even the most medicinal. Mm-hmm. I think I use plantain in so many formulas. Yes. Um, and so you also grow a lot. Oh yeah. And we're in spring right now, so you're mm-hmm. going crazy. <laughs> and I just walked in and it looks like it's basically a garden store here. I know. Sleep is a waste of time right now. <laughs> and so, you know, what got you started with growing your own herbs and what can people do to start to grow their own as well? You know, my first, like we were talking about different schools, my first herb school was in the mountains and I was blessed to get to go to the mountains and wild craft in nature, you know, walking through a mountain landscape and identifying plants and taking that back into a kitchen and learning how to make both topical and internal medicine from that is life-changing. Yeah. You know, it's just life-changing because it awakens you to a whole new world and we need that. We need to be able to get back to, to the basics and to get back to the way that nature speaks to us And I don't mean like you're going to hear your plantain be like, hey, Karen, what's up today? You know, (laughs) it's not like that, but it's just a knowing. There's an energy to it. It's a knowing. And there is an energy. I think whenever I go out in the woods and I just, you know, sit there in nature for a little bit and you come out and even on the plant walk I was on yesterday, everyone came out and said, I just feel really settled now and much more grounded from the experience. And I think that's because that's what it does to you. That's Mm -hmm. how we used to be before we had all these distractions and I was listening to a, a podcast the other day, and they're talking about how we have all this more stress because we have, it's like these time-dependent de- things with our apps, and we feel rushed because of them, and it's just very unsettling, I think, the world that we live in nowadays, and if you can take that time, just go get into nature, it can really reset you. Um, so what are some plants that you're growing right now? What are some ones that you're excited about using? Maybe you're going to bring into the spot here soon. Oh, geez. Oh, man. I I completed a master seed starting program this year. I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, I've been doing seed starting for years, but, you know, I never felt like I was super great at it. So doing a master seed starting program really helped me a lot. Um, I created the Gardening for Your Health community, which has been super fun. I wanted to create something where I can help people as 
as a community where we all work together and we all grow together, learn how to foodscape their lawns. That way we don't just have the little vegetable garden in the back of the house, you know. No, man, we've got green beans vining up trellises in our on our garages. And we've got beautiful tomatoes and wild, beautiful vegetables growing all over our front yards. But you've got them scaped. So they're like foodscaped. So like my little bitty yard is foodscaped. I have vegetables growing with medicinal plants on every single side. I don't have to mow much. If that tells you anything, <laughs> I have hops growing. I, I love my hops. My rose bushes are prettier than they've ever been. I use strawberries as a living mulch, um, peppers in beautiful pots that just line walkways and nasturtiums, you know, everything that I grow, I try to make it something that is, that I'm going to use in the apothecary that's medicinal. My marshmallows, my goji berries, you know, my wood betonies for pain and my golden seal. Mm-hmm. You know, my golden seal and my black cohosh. And there's just, there's so many. I just, there's so many that it can be, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. But it's so much fun to be able to know that I grew the medicine that helped somebody. Yeah. So when someone tells me that that really helped them with whatever it was that their ailment was, that makes me feel so good because it wasn't mass produced. There was no slave labor behind it. It wasn't shipped here from other countries. And the energy of that plant was so different. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's like, it goes back to like the energetics of our food. Do we want to eat food that we're supposed to be fueling our bodies with that's wrapped in plastic and sprayed with pesticides from a grocery store that was shipped here from around the world. What's the, where's the energy there? There isn't. And you know, we did this at IIN. We had, we did Crinlian photography. Mm, That's cool. So in my food energetics class, which is one of my favorites, and we were able to photograph pesticide monocropped food. When I say monocropped, I mean broccoli that's been grown in the same field over and over and over again. You know, they have to use synthetic, synthetic fertilizers for that food to even continue to grow. So that right there shouldn't tell you that you're not going to get a lot of nutrients from that. And then they spray it with pesticides, right? So then you take locally grown food, no pesticides, no herbicides, beautiful soil. You put them back to back. The ones that were grown in a monocrop grocery store looked like muddy water. Wow. The ones that weren't had vibrant colors. Bright, beautiful blues and yellows and greens and purples. Like the aura of those foods tells you so much about how we feel when we eat what we eat. Yeah. So when we, we're just talking food here. We're not even talking the magic of plants. Because I go out in my yard and I make smoothies out of my herb gardens. You know, I want the most nutrient dense and the most vibrant energy from my foods. Which is probably why I'm so hyper. (laughs) (laughs) The extra energy. I know. I like bounce off the walls. But I just wish that people could get, we can get past that disconnect. Yes. Well, I think it's amazing too because, so we're here in Greenwood. I'm Mm -hmm. at Karen's house right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's a pretty sizable community here. You know, it's a cul-de-sac. People are kind of on top of each other here. Um, It's not like Karen lives on a farm. No. So she's kind of turned her whole what you'd call it area for grass into food areas, foodscapes, like you're yeah, saying. My little food forest. And, and it's amazing. And you can probably hear in the background too, the, the chickens that are in the mm-hmm. backyard going around. And so she's kind of turned it into a miniature little farm. And that's something that, you know, before we got into these monocrop cultures, yeah. you know, it's not natural to see just fields and fields and fields of corn. That's not how things were. You know, it was like in Indiana, we have prairie lands. It'd be like a bunch of, You'll see butterweed or golden ragwort, these yellow golden flowers. And that's not what we see nowadays. Mm-hmm. We've cleared the land. We've imposed our regulations, our rules on the land. And it's not natural. And we can do something, though, to get it back. We can stop supporting that. We can start growing things in our yard, like you said. And I remember I, I had a home uh, in Indianapolis. And 
I would like to let the front yard go because I'd see all the dandelion greens pop up and mm-hmm. fleabane would grow in the front yard. All these great herbs that I wanted to collect and they would say, you know you need to mow down your yard because it looks like terrible, right? And to me, <laughs> it looks gorgeous with the pretty flowers, the golds and the purple flowers. You know, ground ivy was popping up, violets were popping up. And so I look over the neighbor's yard and it's just grass. And to me, that's not pretty. That's just one type of plant. It freaks me out because it means a chemical shitstorm is in their yard. Yeah. Oh, and even when we go foraging, you can also tell when a chemical shitstorm has hit that area because oh, yeah. you'll see green, 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 and all of a sudden everything's yellow, mm-hmm. brown, decaying, and they'll go green again. And they're spraying a lot. Oh, yeah. And we have companies like Monsanto that are putting out horrible, horrible herbicides and pesticides that are really affecting people's health. And I know you have a client that's been horrible health issues from stuff like that Mm -hmm. several you know there's if anybody of you any of you saw the the lawn care um segment that we did we spoke a lot about that because this is where i love functional medicine lab work because you can do lab work now and we can tell you how many of those pesticides are literally living inside you and they're causing you so many autoimmune condition symptoms Mm-hmm. you know but and then you get labeled that's a big one i have chronic lyme disease so it frustrates me when i see people that are now labeled with lyme disease when that's really really difficult to test there are really no those are like aliens that live inside your system <laughs> and that's what i call them they're like little aliens because no no form of medicine has been able to figure that out whatsoever but if you all of a sudden have all of these strange conditions that western medicine can't figure out they just tell you you have lyme disease have you ever been bit by a tick no not that i know of are you outdoors a lot no not that i know of you know it's like but then when you do lab work and you can see what's hidden inside their system bingo there it is stop diagnosing people with lyme disease this is where i get angry about it (laughs) and when there's when you just don't know, but then when you can actually prove the to- level of toxicity that's in them. Yeah. That's when you can really... But then there's fixes, right? There are fixes. It's not quick. It's so not quick, man. And people want a quick fix. And I'm like, when you're working with earth, natural-based medicines, they are supporting and they are nourishing. I need you to hear that. Herbs support and nourish you back to health. They are not pharmaceuticals. They are not going to get in there and do something quick because they are working with your body's natural processes to help bring you back to health. And that's the amazing thing is that they have the power to regenerate things that have happened where I think pharmaceuticals don't have that. Maybe you feel better now, but is that worth it in the long run when you maybe like you want to, you know, have a long life and enjoy things? So I also see this too in the supplement industry. We were just talking about growing your own herbs and, you know, foraging. There was something about when you grow it or forage it yourself. That's also different when a company grows it for you, too, because a lot of times if a company grows it, they're growing it in an area that's kind of comfortable for the plant. Mm -hmm. And when we find these plants outside, as you can probably attest from sometimes losing seeds to weather or losing it to maybe they'll get like a fungal infection. You know, when they have to combat these things, they get a little bit stronger. Yeah. And so what do you think about the constituents that might be higher in these plants when you get to grow them yourself? Do you think they have a stronger property? Well, yeah, because they're being fed. Yep. Not only are they being fed from the soil that you created for them, absolutely, but yeah, they have to battle the elements. Oh, yeah. And so if you're a, a, like a patient, I think, of yours or a client of yours, I think it must be so interesting to come in and not only get some of your GI health maybe addressed or maybe your skincare also addressed, but any of these other things like your emotional, spiritual wellness mm-hmm. kind of addressed as well. But what are some things we haven't really talked about your esthetician side yet? What are some things mm-hmm. that people come in and they're like, I have all these maybe skin eruptions or conditions popping up. Mm-hmm. And what are some things that you might talk about with them? Um, we, well, I always look at pathways. You yeah. know, we talk a lot about the microbiome of the skin, which is way different than the microbiome inside of your, inside of you. Um, so we talk about a lot about that, and then I always work with pathways. That's where I start, and I custom make skincare for all of my clients that I call fresh skincare. I don't, 
So preservatives kill, right? Yeah. So preservatives in skincare are meant to create a shelf life. Mm-hmm. But when you're working with someone with a, let's say a chronic skin condition, I need to build up the microbiome of the skin, not put something on it that's going to, over time, break it down. So even like, there's beautiful natural preservatives out there that are plant-based, they're beautiful, and that's that's great for someone who's not battling a skin condition. But I work more with eczemas, different types of eczemas, psoriasis, lots of acne, and aging skin. The aging thing really is is interesting for me because we are so conditioned to think that the aging is bad and that we are supposed to look like that airbrushed model on a magazine or like we did when we were 17. You know, aging is just a part of life and we should feel honored to age, but we need to do it gracefully. You know, so in the skincare industry, everything is about anti-aging anti-aging plump your face full of artificial fillers you know and it's just so sad to me or the latest skincare trend for anti-aging you know the sandblasting that we did (laughs) in the 90s and there's just always so many trends and I don't like them because the trends take advantage of people's insecurities a lot of the skincare industry is designed to take advantage of, of insecurities yeah, and like we were talking about before, you know, it's a marketing. Everything, like the pharmaceutical industry, it's all a company and they're trying to make money. But, you know, someone has maybe they want to use some more healthier options mm-hmm. and they're looking at their store. What are some, like, maybe ingredients that they should really avoid or when they're reading labels? What are some ones that maybe would be ones that you definitely don't want to be introducing to your skin microbiome? Are you talking about just the average person in, like, a drugstore? Yeah, like, if, let's say you were, like, maybe at a fresh time or something like that. And you were looking through different options that they have at the store. What are some ones that you'd be like, definitely avoid this thing at all costs? That's hard for me because I don't like any of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really love to make skincare for people where it's fresh. And I'm like, this is going to be a treatment for you. Keep it in your refrigerator for four weeks and use it for every day for four weeks. Um, and I love being able to do that. So it's really hard for me because... Anything that is sold, so in cosmetic chemistry, mm-hmm. anything that is sold either in a drugstore, a department store, or even a spa, anything that is shelf stable by law has to be shelf stable for three years. Okay. So that has a lot of preservatives in there, whether they're natural or not. So for me, that's a hard question for me because I just don't practice that way. Yeah. I just don't. So I like to work with building up the nutrients in the in the inside the person we always work with digestion because if you're if you don't have healthy digestion if you don't have a healthy lymphatic system if we're not addressing pathways that's the internal so many people's skin conditions also are so much of an emotional thing so working with the emotional that's the mind body spirit part of it and then when it comes to aging, it's really just helping people understand the natural aging process and helping to fill up those beautiful um, estrogens in the skin. Because especially post-menopause, you know, that's when we lose the elasticity in our skin. We start to get the sagginess, our bone health, osteopenia comes in. You know, everything is so connected. You know, your skin's your largest organ. Minus your fascia, but your skin is your largest organ. It's the last to receive nutrients. So that's why it's so important to feed yourself what it needs to build a healthy microbiome. Vitamin C is so important. So when I'm working with my clients with a skin condition, and it doesn't matter what skin condition it is, there's two things that I automatically always, always, always work with. And that is supporting insulin levels with adequate vitamin C because your, your insulin and your vitamin C share the same receptor sites, right? So Aaron understands this. And so what happens, let's say we eat an orange, all right? So that the fructose 
in that orange is going to absorb faster than any of the vitamin C does. So what I'll do is I'll work with plants like some more of our berberine plants. And I love bitter melon. Mm -hmm. I love plants like that that I will use short term. I don't use it any longer than two months. But to help bring that vitamin C in first. Mm. And when you do that, then the skin can start to heal better. Because without vitamin C, our tissues aren't going to heal. So there's... I'm really deep about things and I break down I break down everything cuz I I'm always looking for the what's the logic behind a b and c you know so I get real geeked out and nerded out about it so working with digestion very specifically to support insulin levels so that vitamin C can get in see it's just crazy but that goes into earth elements so I work with southern folk medicine Phyllis Light is one of my favorite herbalists that um, I have studied with, and I love that woman, but studying earth elements with her has helped me with skin conditions like none other. Well, I think you talked about a lot of great things there, Mm -hmm. because not only did you talk about the need for us to not only use food as medicine, you know, you talked about bitter melon, what that does, but then also just kind of understand the science too, and I think that's a cool thing, because when you meld together just traditional, like maybe you crave certain foods for certain reasons, or you go out and you harvest these plants, you can kind of know also the science behind it. You can kind of know that, you know, bitter melon has these constituents in it. Mm-hmm. And then and therefore you can apply that in a more clinical or, you know, clientele setting um, and support their health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I had a lady last two weeks ago, she came to me for GI issues, lots of swelling, terrible digestion. Um, I looked at her constitution, um, for one, she's a one on the Enneagram. I'm a real geek about that, but she also was very Vata Pitta. Well, mm. it takes one to know one cause I'm Vata Pitta. <laughs> and so she had gone through the gamut of SIBO testing, the blood test, all the things. And I was telling Erin that it was so beautiful because I didn't do anything. All I did was talk with her. I helped her understand her body, her mind, how her constitution works and then we talked about how she needed to fuel herself she's an event planner for weddings and she's just balls to the wall man she's just go 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 and here she's trying to eat while she's on the run and then she's feeling nauseous and sluggish and tired and bloated so literally all I did is I wrote out some juice plans for her and added some fats to that so she could really get proper absorption from from every every fruit and vegetable that she was juicing and added in adequate amounts of fat so that way she could absorb the, the water-soluble vitamins and the fat-soluble vitamins. And her meals during those times were literally only going to be a juice. No fiber. Nothing that she had to break down while her body was already in a state of fight or flight, right? That's it. That's all we did. I didn't give her herbs. I didn't give her supplements. I didn't tell her she had to take all these tests and all the things that she needed to do. And two weeks later, she's telling me how amazing her digestion has been, all because she just understood herself better. And for people who might not understand why, why do you want to pair a fat with the juice? Well, because in your plants, you have fat-soluble vitamins and you have water-soluble vitamins. So when you're doing like juice cleanses, which are beautiful, they give you lots of energy, you're really just going to pee out the vitamins. If you're not, you're only, you're going to urinate out the fat-soluble vitamins. So like anything, you have to break down the chemistry of what you're eating so that you know how to digest and absorb your food. And most things are generally better absorbed with fats, Mm -hmm. you know, taking supplements with more fat-heavy meals might be better. Yeah. Like maybe or with a little bit of almond butter, mm-hmm. something that has some fats in it is a great thing. But I think, you know, going in a good direction here, you're talking about seeing clients for their, their health and for mm-hmm. digestion, you know, and I think it's great that you're not putting them on just one diet to try to fix everything because a lot of times people go on these diets and then they exclude all these great foods because they hear like, oh, gluten's bad, oh, dairy's bad. And maybe for some people, maybe... Taking some time off from those things can be good, but we also lose gut bacteria mm-hmm. when we get rid of those foods. And so, you know, I love coming over to dinner at Karen's house because her and her husband make these great foods and he's a great uh, bread maker. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of sourdough bread that's made. 
And uh, what are some of the great fermented foods that you guys use around the home? Oh, geez. Well, we for Brian, let me say Brian. <laughs> Brian makes the best sourdough. He's amazing. But he does all different types of fun herbal sourdoughs. And we do all of our, he's, he mills everything. So we order all of our grains from Janie's Mill. And we like to do a lot of emmer and einkorn and spelt. And so like pastas, we ferment our own pastas. We He makes fermented like taco shells and like we firm if it's a grain it's fermented and it's made in this house and they're um, bougie bougie meals that yeah we're big <laughs> food snobs great you know going out to dinner is usually very underwhelming for us because yeah. when you can make such beautiful amazing foods not yourself and from your landscape or from your local farmer friends and you go to a regular restaurant where everything's Oh my God, so like killed and adulterated with an industrial seed oil. And then you feel like you have the flu for two days because they made your beautiful Brussels sprouts and a canola oil. You know, it's so frustrating. And I wish that local chefs would wake up to this and just stop. Like use an avocado oil, you know, it doesn't have any flavor to it. And it's going to be so much healthier than using canola or just real butter. Yeah. You know, real butter. Let's get away from these industrial seed oils just because they're cheap. Like, let's just stop with it already. And the great thing about the butter and the avocado oil is they have high smoke points. So then you're not adulterating the oil when you cook things in it. And they're healthy for you, too. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, ferment. I love to pickle. Mm -hmm. So in my gardening group, we're going to be pickling so many things. (laughs) I can't wait. So I love to pickle and ferment peppers and ferment vegetables. And I love to make my own, like, raw, when you were talking about dairy, grocery store dairy is just dead. It's just dead. You know, it's just what it is. But raw dairy? Mm, mm Mm-hmm. There are so many nutrients in that. So if you are not allergic Mm -hmm. and you have an an allergy to all forms of dairy, you know, to raw dairy, then raw dairy is amazing. You know, we use that in our house. I ferment it. I use it topically. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Fermented with herbs for topical skin conditions. And I, I love to eat it. It's wonderful. I thought it was great, too, because Karen and I just started doing kefirs with mm-hmm. some kefir grains we got from yep. a, a friend. And so she's been using the kefir, of course, around the house here. But then she also has been using it on a friend of mine for some skincare yep. stuff. And it's been amazing to see that. Yeah. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, I ferment. So there's a specific bacteria in fermented raw dairy that's called l luteri. And um, L. luteri is a lactobacillus bacteria, but its only purpose is to help regenerate epithelial tissue. Wow. So I fermented it with calendula flowers. Wow. And so I had her use that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, use this every day so we can just start to regenerate more healing of the skin. Now, L. luteri is not a bacteria that lives on the skin, mm. but it is beautiful from healing the skin from the inside. So we had her doing, it was still, if this makes sense, it was still helping with inflammation externally, but it's not going to rebuild an l on the skin, if that makes sense. But it does internally. Yeah. And you get the beautiful anti-inflammatory benefits too from calendula, which Mm -hmm. if you're not, if you guys aren't familiar with calendula, it's a great one for inflammation internal and external. You know, it's in some gut formulas um Mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous flower too yeah i had her drinking it with i made her a specific tea with the sapodilla fruit you've ever seen that sapodilla grows in florida it's a very high antioxidant fruit that's very astringent and when you eat it when you eat a sapodilla fruit it tastes like brown sugar like it is so good but it's a beautiful one of those super healing foods for skin So I dehydrate it and I put it in tea blends for people. So I had her doing that with more of a lymphatic blend for her. So that way we were working with the ferments internally and topically and doing um, more lymphatic high vitamin C rich um, tea infusion that I had her drink 16 ounces every day. So we're really starting to see some beautiful results with the healing of her skin. I think it's, it's amazing because you've created this business and it's all around kind of these, I think, traditional practices, but they're also very healing practices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of companies out there and most of them are trying to do better in the world, yeah. but there's also the business of supplement herbal industry. And I know this is something that you just kind of recently dove into yourself. What are some things that people might not know 
compared to like your business, which is, you know, local and it's doing all these cool sustainable projects, what are some other maybe negatives of the business industry around supplements and herbs? The way that things are processed, you know, there's, like I said before, we've got too much of the more of like factory farming that is coming into the herbal world, you know, in like, you were talking about ashwagandha. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so many people want ashwagandha because the marketing will tell you, you know, marketing is just that. Marketing is psychology. It knows how to talk to you. And then you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I need that. Well, you know, ashwagandha is amazing. Every plant is amazing. But is it amazing for you? Who knows? Because they're also bioindividual and their chemistry is complex. So ashwagandha is, you know, it's in the nightshade family. So some people can be sensitive to it. It can be very drying. So, you know, I get the question a lot from new moms, nursing moms, you know, who are going through some post-traumatic, you know, they're going through more of that, what I call post-traumatic prenatal depletion. You know, we go through these prenatal depletions and then they're marketed to because they need ashwagandha to help them. Right. Well, next thing you know, their milk supply is drying up. I'm like, you're already Mm. lacking in estrogen, which is going to make you dry. So you don't need ashwagandha, you know. And then there's other people who take ashwagandha and they do fine on it while they're nursing. So it's like you've got to see what is going to work for you. Yes. Oh, and it is so individualistic. And, (laughs) you know, ashwagandha is one in the nightshade family. Mm -hmm. And so people, sometimes they have nightshade allergies. They don't react well to it. And there's other people too that, it affects our thyroid hormones and maybe they don't need that influence on their thyroid hormones. Exactly. And I've known people that get very agitated, you know, on ashwagandha. Like valerian. Yep. Yes. And valerian's one, you know, like it's probably one of the best legal sleep aids, but some people like, I mean, personally, it makes me excited mm-hmm. and it doesn't really help me go to sleep. And so I think it is important to try herbs yourself, you know, just try a little bit, try a taste on your tongue if it's yeah. like a tincture and see what your reaction is. Mm-hmm. And then maybe take, Maybe the dose of the herbalist is recommended, or maybe the supplement company is recommended. And I think it's also based on our own bacteria. I remember taking one of my courses in my functional medicine program, and the the doctor who was presenting the lecture, he's a GI specialist, and he was talking about how, let's say you give someone ashwagandha, and they have no improvement whatsoever, and then you give the other person ashwagandha, and they have huge improvements means like it could be just based on the colonic bacteria that they have. Mm-hmm. And that could be making the metabolites from the plants be more bioactive. And so I think there's a lot of people that come into and they're like, ashwagandha will fix all my problems or this weight loss herb will fix all my problems. I'll finally be slim and trim. But it's like, if you're not doing the other things like the lifestyle before that, they're probably not going to help mm-hmm. as much. And so using that dietary therapy is really beautiful for that. Yep. Amen. It takes everything. There's no one herb for that. And I know you're really passionate about this because you mentioned earlier that you have Lyme's disease. Mm -hmm. And Lyme's is something that we see a lot of protocols for. Like they're like, take your teasel, take your, you know, other herbs that will help control the the, um, progression of it. What are some things that you've seen around Lyme's disease or that you've found helpful for yourself even that maybe people should consider when they go maybe with a Lyme's diagnosis? Everybody's symptom is different. You know, there is no one-size-fits-all. Ugh, it's with everything. There is no one-size-fits-all. You know, so I feel like it's... I've seen a lot of the protocols for Lyme, and I was just talking to Erin about this the other day. You know, some of those protocols can be absolutely beautiful because they're targeting inflammation, but they're more for... They're not, they're not for chronic Lyme. They're more for acute Lyme. So the difference is if you get bit by a tick, you develop a rash, you develop bone-breaking flu-like symptoms, you are in acute Lyme. That's when those protocols are going to be beautiful. You know, when you have chronic symptoms, they're not going to do much for you. And even if, well, let me say, they can, but they need to be formulated for you. So it doesn't need to be a protocol where you've got five different herbs already blended because maybe two of those herbs in there could help could help you, but not the five, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's where we, if I could do anything as just an herbalist, 
is to get people to stop thinking that a mass-produced herbal protocol is for you. Work with a local practitioner. Work with someone in your area because they're going to know the plants that grow in your area that can help you. You know, and there are beautiful plants that don't grow here. They just don't. And we do have to outsource them. But we know where we're sourcing them from. You know, but you're going to get the best medicine working with someone in your local area. I think it's a great point. And here in Indiana, this podcast is geared more towards people who are in Indiana. But if someone wanted to work with a local realist, how do they maybe get in touch with someone? You know, I find that hard. You know, I've had clients say to me, I didn't even know how to find you because when I typed in local herbalist, Materia Medica didn't pop up because it just pops up under spa. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is bizarre to me because herbal blending is in my, is in the title. So, and then it is difficult. If you type in local herbalist, it's hard to find them. Yeah. It really is. I feel like we need to get better at figuring out how to do that. But that's what I like about like Indie Holistic Living. I love that because pretty much all the local herbalists in our community are on there. Um, A lot of... I struggle. I think like Erin's at Georgetown Market. Our friend Taylor owns Lionhearted. She works with endometriosis and she helps with fertility. You know, we have a friend named Christy in Bloomington who does so much with like life-threatening food allergies because she lives it. That's another thing, you know, find people who live these things. You know, Taylor's so good at what she does because she lives it. You know, find people who have become what they want become who they who have done the work to become who they are so that they can serve their community because they have lived it. Yeah. You know, that way, you know, I've lived watching for me, I've lived watching the downfalls of western medicine hurt people, you know. And then I've I lived with cystic acne and it was heartbreaking and I didn't want to leave my house, you know, and so that's why I wanted to do what I did and I have you know, I live with off and on chronic pain, so I know what that feels like. And so it's like find people who are passionate about things because they've lived it. And for that group you mentioned, Indie Holistic Living, that mm-hmm. is a Facebook group if you guys are yeah. interested that you can find um, on there. And there's other great organizations like there is the um, there's the Indie um, Holistic Wellness. Oh, and um, the, um, the Hub, the, the Holistic Hub, hub with Jen Seferin. Oh, my gosh. Indie Holistic Hub. It's amazing. You can Google it. And Jen Seferin has created an amazing group. All it is is practitioners. You can type in what type of practitioner you're looking for, and it's wonderful. Yes, I can't believe I forgot about that. Those are my people. And so those are great ways to get to know maybe some of the local herbalists because it is it can be hard. And sometimes if you go to farmer's markets, you can talk to them too. Like we have Constance Ferry. She's oh, at the yeah. Garfield Market in the summers, mm-hmm. and she does the – downtown one on Wednesdays at the city market. And so you can sometimes find those herbalists there. And so maybe if you find those Facebook groups, those websites, and also visit a local farmer's market, you might be able to get in touch with those people. Um, but we're getting close to the end here. Yes. We're going to be wrapping it up. I can hear the chickens in the back. They're I excited know. too. My girls are talking. But before we go, Karen, we've talked about a lot of great things today, you know, bio-individual health, herbs, foraging, um, taking really control of your health. If someone wanted to, you know, they heard this and like, all right, I'm ready to make a change. What do I need to do? What are maybe your top three recommendations for them to start maybe moving forward and taking control of their own health? What would you recommend? Seek a natural health practitioner. Seek a natural health practitioner. You know, if you're seeking somebody that your insurance is going to pay for, I um, I love, he's a personal friend of mine, Dr. Yusuf Mohammadi with Community Health Network. He is a family practice medicine, integrative and functional medicine, highly educated. It just takes a long time to get in with him, but once you do, it's worth it. Um, I love Dr. Andrew Johnstone. He is a pharmacist who is also an MD who went out on his own, created his own practice so that he could get out away from from the chains and the shackles of the networks. So he get he creates his own practice on his terms and he is extremely educated in holistic therapies. And then seek out your local naturopath. Seek out like Aaron, you know, if you're lo- if you're struggling with oncology and or you have different 
you need more functional medicine help. Aaron's at Georgetown Market. He leads classes. He formulates medicine. You know, like we said, some of our friends, you know, Herbal Kindness, Lionhearted Herbals. And I know I'm missing people because we have so many people. <laughs> we <laughs> have so many people. And it's just an amazing. Oh, there's Greg Monzel with Wild Persimmon Medicine. You know, Greg is probably one of the most amazing um He's an amazing herbalist, you know, and he teaches wonderful classes. And when I got back from the mountains, I studied, I did a four season class with Greg up at um, White Pine Wilderness. We did four, we did summer, winter, fall and spring medicine with Greg. I, I struggled during the winter. It was 10 degrees <laughs> and I was like, I'll meet y'all back at the yurt. <laughs> it was too cold for me, but you know, um, there's so many, so many talented, passionate practitioners and it's all about you finding who who drives with you, you know, who really is going to be there to meet your, to, to pair with your energy, you know, go with that. Seek people out, interview them, see who you feel like is going to be the best fit for you. I like it. Community mm-hmm. is king. It's community. That's right. It isn't, there, it's, <laughs> what's that? There's no, it's not an I thing. It's not that whole narcissistic, it's me and I only have the answers. You know, chiropractors. Oh my gosh. Some of my friends are chiropractors and some of them are just the most amazing medicine. You know, when we start to get a sniffle in my house from the time Olson, my 14-year-old, was little, you know, we get adjusted. Yeah. We get adjusted. That's like usually our first go-to is get that spine and nervous system back where it needs to be. So, Well, Karen, it's wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we're off. We have plants to go get. We are. We're going to be the plant hunters today, plant chasers. We are. We're on our yeah. way to uh, the side of Indy to gather some plants today. And so it's uh, just a day out in the gardens and in the fields. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share and support the podcast. We'd love to keep this going and love to keep sharing community resources with everyone. Thanks again. See you later. hope everyone enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed spending time with Karen today. And if you want to connect with Karen or her business partner, Sarah, feel free to check out their website, Materia Medica, and they're located in Greenwood. And on the website, you can schedule a session with them or a time to visit. And you can also check them out on Instagram, Materia Medica, and that's a great way to keep up with what they're doing. Again, if you know someone that would love this episode, please like, share, subscribe so we can keep the show going. We'll see you later. Peace.